0: Nicole Eunice was scheduled to be our speaker today. In fact, she flew here a few days ago from her home in Richmond, Virginia. She's at her hotel very nearby, but she has taken ill and is unable to be here this morning. And so, Nicole, if you are uh, by chance watching online today, we are praying for a speedy recovery for you and for a safe travel home. So... What do you want to talk about? <laughs> uh, next Sunday, we start a new series on the book of Ephesians. That is the book of the Bible for the summer, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. Terence Gray is going to kick us off next week, and, um, and we're going to see the relevance of this first century letter to 21st century issues, and we're calling that series uh, Power Struggle. And so that's the book for the summer. Today, I want to kind of set up the summer by looking at one of the great psalms of the Bible, and this psalm talks about the importance of immersing ourselves in the Scripture and what it can do to change the way we think and the way we live. Uh, Psalm 1 is what we're going to look at. Psalm 1, I I picked this psalm uh, because I do think it's a great psalm to enter the summer with. I also picked it, honestly, because it's a psalm I know very well. Uh, and Psalm 1 is considered by scholars to be in the, in the uh, wisdom category. This is a psalm of wisdom. And it kind of reads like a, like a graduation or commencement speech that you might have heard this last month in its wisdom. And so would you stand with me and we're going to read this psalm all together, all aloud. Uh, the very first psalm in the Psalter, uh, Psalm 1, let's read it together. Blessed is the one who does not walk. Did we, did we lose my... Uh Yeah, thank you. Let's all read together the first psalm in the Psalter. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, this is one of my favorite psalms, and the, the psalmist contrasts two very different ways of doing life and gives a stark metaphor for each kind of life. In our day, people use a lot of words to describe things, but in the ancient world, they would often use metaphors pictures, images, and here picture number one is a tree planted by a stream of water. Plant a tree in the desert, and that tree will wither and die, but plant that tree near a source of water, near a river, and an amazing thing happens, that tree teems with life. It bears fruit. It it produces good things for people, and it delights God, and some lives are like that, They teem with fruit, they they bless other people, and they delight God. That's picture number one. Picture number two, in contrast, is a picture of chaff. Chaff. Now, uh, when people would harvest grain, they would take it to the threshing floor, still do in parts of the world, and run it over with a threshing instrument, and the grain was separated from the stalk. And the stalks, the empty husks, were ground into what's called chaff. It's the stuff nobody wants. It's just waste. And in Bible times, they would take a big shovel, and they would throw it all up in the air together, the, the wheat and the chaff mixed together, and the, wh- and the wheat being weighty, being substantial, the, the wheat would fall to the ground. But the chaff, being light, being non-substantial, would just kind of blow away with the wind and disappear. And the psalmist says, some lives are like that. They, they, they just blow away they produce nothing meaningful. And if someone asked you to choose which picture would you want to be a picture of your life, I think I know what we'd all choose. Do you you want your life to produce fruits or do you want your life to produce chaff? I think we'd all choose the fruits. The problem in this world is that we often get wheat and chaff mixed up. Sometimes in our world chaff looks like fruit and fruit looks like chaff. How did all this happen? Uh, and the psalmist gives us a hint by describing what the fruit bearers avoid. Uh, and there's a process they go through to avoid this life of drift into uh, if they just go on autopilot. Uh, your computer, your phone, your tablet, most of your electronics have default settings in them. And it's all set up to go a certain direction. Uh, unless you choose something else. Default is what happens unless you deliberately, intentionally choose something else. So if I want a font other than the one that's in the default, I can choose it. It takes a few more steps, a little more work, but I can choose something outside of the default. Um, But I have recently learned that you can change the default settings. Did everybody know that? You need a 13-year-old to help you do it, uh, but you can actually change the default settings. And I feel like that's what the psalmist is saying here. You, you can, th- there's a default setting for our lives that's not good. It's going to take you in a bad direction. Now, you can will against your default. You, you can, it takes a little more work. takes a few more steps. You can do it. Grin, bear, uh, just grit can, can get you through. Or you can allow God to change the default settings. You go a different direction. And the way you change your default settings, the psalmist is going to suggest, has a lot to do with the word of God uh, being washed over our minds and lives. The psalm uh, begins, Blessed are those. And then he outlines what I'm going to call the default setting. Blessed are those who do not Go the default settings. Who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. He starts with a statement about who is blessed. This is a beatitude of types. Blessed are those. The word blessed is the Hebrew word ashray means intensely happy or joyous. Oh, how very happy are those who... And then he outlines it. Uh, this comes from a root word that means to go forth or advance or even lead others. It shows an intentionality. And then there's three categories. Here's a literary triplet the author uses of different categories of what it means to live by default or drift. First category is walking in the counsel of the wicked. Very interesting phraseology here, walking in the counsel of the wicked. I heard someone say their definition of that is it's just just how most people talk. The counsel of the wicked is just the way most people talk these days it's much more pervasive and widespread than any of us have any idea it's bombarding us all day every day and the common wisdom of the day can lead you in trouble and it's not just blatant things the counsel of the wicked it's not just disobey God it's very very subtle things Uh, when my wife Angie and I were buying a house, we were driving the car, having a very adult conversation about mortgages and down payments and what we thought we could afford, and the wisdom from the back seat from our four-year-old said, just put it on the credit card. That's the counsel of the wicked from the back seat. He just kind of picked that up from being in our culture and And you can't put a house on the credit card, by the way, I checked. (laughs) Turn on the television, surf the web, listen to conversations throughout the day. What do you hear? Acquire more. Be more successful. Maintain your image. Look younger and sexier. Get even with those who hurt you. Get ahead of those who compete with you. Vilify those who disagree with you. All day long, you and I are being bombarded by the counsel of the wicked. And it's so subtle, we're not even aware of it. And it is setting us up. It is changing the way that we think and the way that we live. And if you drift, if you go into default, that's where this goes. Second category, he uses the phrase, standing in the way of sinners. Now it's not just your thinking that's being influenced, it's your life that is being affected. And the word used here for sinner is a word that means off target. Their, their, their aim is just off. They're, they're not hitting the target, but that becomes normalized. We, we don't even think about it anymore. Our priorities, our measures of success, our self-perception, our methods of dealing with conflict, the, the, the way we select heroes, all begin to conform to a society that has lost her way. How else do you account for a society in which people work at jobs they don't like, to make money they don't need, to buy things they don't want, to impress people they, they don't know? That's the counsel of the wicked that leads us down those paths. And the third category, again, interesting language, sitting in the seat of the mockers. The mockers who mock and scoff at the very things they ought to be pursuing. Now, the psalmist does not mean you should not have friendships and relationships with people outside of the faith. This is not what the psalmist is saying. You and I need to have friendships, relationships with people who don't see things the way that we do because we need to be the voice of godliness. Uh, Where would the hope of the world be if there were no relationships outside? That's not what the psalmist is talking about. The psalmist is concerned about increasing influence in the wrong direction. And there's this progression in his verbs. First, First, I'm walking. I'm walking in the way of sinners, right? I'm moving, I haven't identified, I'm just kind of observing the way the world thinks. I'm walking, and then the verb changes, standing. What happened? I, I, I've stopped walking. I'm now being conformed. And then the last verb, I'm, I'm sitting. I've cast my lot. This is my home now. That's kind of the default mode. It happens slowly, it happens without our awareness uh, and no one intends for this to happen. That is the default mode. Jesus tells a story about one man who built his house on a rock and another man who built his house on the sand. And he calls the, the, the man who built his house on the sand, he calls him foolish man. Foolish. Not evil. There's a difference between evil and foolish. He, there's just plain folly. I may have told you the story that years ago when I was a youth pastor, uh, parents came to me very uh, upset that their teenage son had been caught by the police uh, with his BB gun shooting out lights in the neighborhood. And when they asked this boy, why were you shooting lights out in the neighborhood, he said, I don't know. (laughs) Why why won't he tell us the truth? Why won't he tell us why he was doing it? All he says is he keeps saying, I don't know. And I said, he's not lying to you. (laughs) He really doesn't know. Because if he thought that through, he wouldn't have done it. There is such a thing as just folly. And if we could find the foolish man in Jesus' story and say, foolish man, why did you build your house on the sand? I think he would say, I don't know. I I didn't plan to. I didn't find an architect and say, let's find some sand to build a house on. It just happened. Nobody sits down and plans to lead a mediocre life. No couple getting married plans to get a divorce. No one walks into a bar and plans to become an alcoholic. No one has kids and plans on becoming so busy that the kids grow up as strangers. No one nurses a grudge and plans on becoming a bitter and resentful person. No one gets religious and plans to become judgmental and self righteous. Nobody plans to go to hell. It just happens. The psalmist says that fallenness is such a pervasive way of life, the alternative is radical. You and I must live by design. We have to live intentionally. We have to, to, to deliberately allow God's word to transform our way of thinking and feeling and saturate ourselves in God's mind and in God's heart. Paul wrote uh, in Romans 12 two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Reset your default system. Transformation is the work of God. The Bible never says transform yourself. The Bible says be transformed. God is the one who transforms, but we can do things in our life that open ourselves up to the transforming work of God, and we can do things that close ourselves off from the transforming work of God, and spiritual disciplines and Bible reading are, those, are some of those things that open ourselves up ...for God to work and reset our default settings. The tree does not produce fruit by sheer effort. Come on, fruit! The tree just stays planted and fruit comes. The tree's destiny is to bear fruit... ...but the tree's job is to remain rooted. Transformation is the work of God, but there is a human role. Look how the psalmist describes these intentional life people... Uh, the psalmist said, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law they meditate. When do they do that? Day and night. Now this word law, it, it can mean the first five books of the Bible, the, the law, the Torah. But often in the Bible when you see the word law, it just means uh, the thoughts of God, the intentions of God. And these people, when they, when they hear the the, the, the beautiful thoughts of God for human existence, it just makes them smile. And they meditate on those thoughts day and night. Now, what part of your life is not covered in those two categories? The counsel of the wicked is so pervasive, our only hope is to feed our minds something new, something different, to dwell on the law of God in a way that's not burdensome, but in a way that brings life to dwell on it intentionally, deliberately, soberly, moment by moment, so that when I see people, I see them the way that God sees them. This word meditate uh, makes church people nervous sometimes. It sounds a little spooky or mystical. Um, It is, however, a Bible word. The word meditate is used 58 times in the Old Testament alone, And it carries the idea of not just thinking about God's word, but reading it aloud. Sustained thinking about this truth. There's an important principle behind this. What the mind repeats, it retains. What the mind repeats, it retains. What the mind repeats, it retains. Yeah, you got it. Uh, The truth is, you and I have meditated a lot in our lives. We just didn't know that we were doing it. And I'm going to start uh, uh, a couple advertising slogans and see if you can finish it before I do. A little quiz today. Are you ready? M&M's, they're the milk chocolate that melts in your mouth. Not in your hands. Burger Burger King, you can have it. All right, here's a harder one. Uh, first service didn't get this one. Gillette is the best, best a man can get. Yeah, one lady was like, I got to find some Gillette. So, yeah, I didn't know what she... <laughs> Maxwell House is good to the last drop. Allstate says you're in good. Disney is the happiest place. Yeah, how did you know that? Because, you re- because repetition... You heard that repeated over and over and over again. Repetition, uh, meditation. Uh, Listen, we've all meditated. Some of you meditate over the sports uh, results or over the stock results. When you fall in love, you meditate over your beloved. The question isn't if you will meditate. The question is on what will you meditate? So I'm going to suggest this summer you choose one thought of God expressed in Scripture And let that soak in. So I've got some examples from the book of Ephesians, our summer uh, study. Uh, You could use Ephesians 1.5, which says, God predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. You take that one thought. God predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. God adopted me chose me, God predestined us for adoption. And you turn that over in your mind and you wonder what that means and you say it over and over again until you start to believe it that you are an adopted child of God, predestined by him. Or you take Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. For we are God's handiwork. And you churn you that over in your mind. God's, what does it mean to be God's handiwork created in advance for good works? I'm handiwork. Or you take Ephesians 3.10, that talks about how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And you make that your thought of the day. I'm going to live with that one thought. You take one thought from God from the scriptures every day and you churn it over and over again because if you don't, if you don't choose what you're going to meditate on, you will meditate on advertising slogans and on cable news. That's the default. There are two ways of living, say the psalmist. You can live by default or you can live by design. You can be formed by culture and the By the culture of the day and the counsel of the wicked, or you can be formed by the thoughts of God. You can lead a life that produces nothing but chaff, or you can lead a life that produces fruit, blesses others, and delights God. But you must be intentional. You must plant by a stream of life. So that's the summer challenge as we enter the summer season here. Guard your roots. God wants to do great work in you this summer. Allow God to renew your mind. Meditate on the thoughts of God as they are found in the scripture. Seek out relationships this summer to help you rekindle your faith. Study the Bible. Join a small group. Whatever you do, don't drift. Don't go into default mode. Let me read you Psalm 1 again over you and then I'll close us in prayer. Blessed are those who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on this law they meditate day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Let's pray. God of grace, transform us. Make us more like your son. Give us the power to live intentionally by your design and rescue us from a life of drift and default. Help us to meditate on your law in ways that bring life and to live in community in ways that keep our faith fresh and new. Thank you, God, for your sacrificial love. You are the worthy lamb who was slain. You are holy. May our lives be a song to you, we pray, through Christ our Lord. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's stand together.